The Ostomy Nurse Project. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Ostomy Nurse Project, the podcast that talks about living life with a stoma or an ostomy, or otherwise living with an alternate exit, or living with your insides on the outside. I am your host, Felicity, and we have been on hiatus all of 2020. The Ostomy Nurse Project was supposed to start back a little bit sooner than anticipated, but given the current global situation, plus a few other things that have been going on over here in the good old land of Oz, it's been put off a little bit. So I want to welcome you all to this very special episode um, of the Ostomy Nurse Project. It will be technically the first for 2020. And I felt it was fitting to obviously do a special interest episode all about the situation that's been on everybody's mind throughout the entire year. And that's talking about the COVID-19 or the coronavirus situation that has unfolded across the world. Now, I can't just blame coronavirus for the reasons for the Ostomy Nurse Project being delayed a little bit this year. I am currently sitting on my couch not doing a whole lot as I am a couple of weeks away from having my second baby. So now that I am on maternity leave I have got a little bit of time on my hands amongst preparing for another newborn but it's given me time to do a little bit of research, do a lot of reading on the current situation to do with coronavirus and I feel that now is a good time to put out a very special Ostomy nurse project episode that is dedicated to not only the coronavirus cases but talking about how that pertains to people who do live with a stoma and the impact that it has on the current healthcare workers and the situation that we are practicing in those who live with existing stomas now as well as those people who are planning for surgery in the future to have a new stoma formed or who are in the process of being screened for potential operations in the future. So one of the difficulties that we had as nurses and nurse specialists were things that are still currently going on around the world, but particularly for us here in Australia and for myself working in a private hospital institution, we had a lot of changes in the workplace, which involved having to shut down and reduce a large percentage of the surgeries and operations that we have been doing, which has somewhat uh, modified the amount of work that us as stomal therapy nurses have been carrying out, although it hasn't impacted it too greatly. But it certainly had an impact on my availability to obviously work these hours, see these patients, as well as look after the podcast and keep publishing episodes as I can do so. So I appreciate your patience all in uh, sticking with us during the delay, but I'm hoping that this special series episode on coronavirus will get you all through, and then I hope I can record a few more episodes to publish just before this next little one comes along to get you guys through until I can jump back online and start talking about all things stoma again. All right, so to give you guys a little bit of an outline about what we're going to be talking about in this episode of the Ostomy Nurse Project and how coronavirus really impacts stoma life and people living with stomas, 
First of all, we're going to be talking about the implications for stoma surgery. So how current isolation measures and reduction in the practice of certain healthcare facilities is impacting people's abilities to get screened or to plan their surgeries for stoma formation. And that includes things like colonoscopies or endoscopies to look for certain conditions and diagnose certain conditions that may require stoma surgery. We're also going to be talking about how we have been uh, managing to educate people in isolation or how coronavirus is going to impact people in the future on how they are going to get proper, appropriate stoma nurse uh, information and education whilst having to be isolated. And that includes things like allowing your visitors into the hospital if they are people who need to be educated on, on your stoma care. The difficulties with obtaining stoma supplies, and and that's going to be talked about as a global concept, not just here in Australia, because it's different across the entire world as to how people get their stoma supplies. And also looking at how we have been educating patients in the hospital who have to be isolated or who are under isolation precautions whilst we are testing for coronavirus or managing people who have tested positive for coronavirus in terms of how we manage them and educate you using equipment and supplies and avoiding the cross-contamination onto other people or other surfaces or environments that may spread the coronavirus disease. We're also going to cover off a little bit about the current situation to do with obtaining ostomy supplies throughout the world and how people are managing to get around that. So for us in Australia, that's in terms of things like getting your supplies through your ostomy association, the current manufacturing situation uh, for the companies that do distribute ostomy products to us here in Australia and around the world. And then finally, we're going to finish off with a few commonly asked questions, I suppose, or frequently asked questions that people may have about the coronavirus infections and how they pertain to people who do live with a stoma. So things like looking at gastrointestinal viruses, current research and studies on whether coronavirus is transmissible through the gastrointestinal tract and how that affects people uh, who do test positive for coronavirus and the symptoms that they may display in terms of the the gastrointestinal tract. So there's some of the questions that we're going to cover off as well that people may have been wondering about if they happen to be someone who lives with a stoma. Okay, now in the interest of expressing gratitude in amongst all of this situation that's going on in the world right now, I just wanted to point out uh, the fact that we are incredibly lucky here in Australia to not be suffering the same... I suppose, the same magnitude of impact that coronavirus has had in other countries. According to the World Health Organization, as of the 21st of June, so for me that's yesterday, the World Health Organization has had worldwide 8.7 million confirmed cases of coronavirus and 461,000, almost 462,000 deaths recorded to the World Health Organization as a result of the coronavirus. So to put that into perspective, here in Australia, we currently have 7,436 confirmed cases and have suffered 102 deaths as a result of the coronavirus. Now that whilst is an unfortunate number of deaths to ever have to suffer from a virus, essentially. 
when you look at the other countries that are suffering greater than us, it, it gives you an indication of the true fortunate nature of us living here in Australia, where we've managed to keep it relatively under control and we haven't had the same issues in our healthcare systems being overburdened by coronavirus that other countries certainly have. So, for instance, in the US, 2.2 million confirmed cases of coronavirus have been reported with a staggering number of deaths, 118,000, almost 119,000 deaths as a result of coronavirus. For, For us living on our little island here in Australia, or our big island, I suppose, we are incredibly lucky to be handling the situation as best we can. And I want to put out a personal thank you to everybody in Australia for maintaining proper isolation protocols and for supporting us that work in the healthcare system. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a frontline worker to do with the coronavirus, but certainly having to work in a hospital situation where I'm dealing with exposure to potentially infected patients and things like that. I just wanted to put out a personal thank you to everybody who is bearing with us during this time of 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 crisis in amongst a global pandemic. We are certainly trying our hardest to get on top of it and I can appreciate everybody's patience in in being vigilant in trying to stop the spread of this virus throughout the country. It really does help the healthcare system when we know that people are doing the right thing and staying away from hospitals and healthcare facilities and it helps us all greatly. So thank you from from myself as uh, a stomal therapy nurse. Let's look at the difficulties associated with trying to provide proper education to patients who have had stoma formation done when we are living in isolation type situations and environments, especially in the hospital where uh, lockdown protocols mean that you can't have uh, visitors into the hospital and there are certain precautions that need to be taken in order to come face to face with patients in this day and age in the hospital system. One of the additional difficulties that I have had personally being a pregnant employee in the healthcare system is that after a certain period, I was not allowed to have face-to-face contact with patients who had new stomas. So that became quite difficult because for a practical job that I do where I'm so hands-on with patients and one-on-one where I get to show you a lot of practical activities, for instance, how to manage your stoma bags, how to change an appliance, how to look after your skin and doing all the normal assessments that I would normally do on a patient's skin. We had to rapidly change that quite a lot because I was no longer allowed to do that face to face. Now, that doesn't mean that that's the same for all stoma nurses, but in my particular situation, we had to make modifications to that, which impacts the patient, I guess, in a way, because rather than getting a one on one face to face with a nurse that can help you through troubleshooting issues and and having a look at your skin and things like that, we had to adapt to that. And, And having that separation from that professional can actually have an impact on uh, your well-being and, and your health and your recovery and becoming confident in your stoma care before you leave hospital. So that was one of the issues that we certainly faced in my hospital towards the end of my pregnancy before I left to go on maternity leave. So one of the ways that we got around that was through telehealth, things like Zoom meetings with patients and their family members or video calling, whatever systems we had going at the time, that became a really useful tool 
for me to still have some element of face-to-face with my patients to teach them the things that they needed or the practical aspects of what they needed as well as giving the patient a platform to still obviously see me and ask the questions that they have or express the concerns that they have regarding their case and their situation. So that was one of the adaptations that we had to learn um, in our hospital to obviously give people the correct education that they needed and provide adequate nursing assessment and interventions for people who were having new stoma formations done. And so I guess the the message that I want you to take away from that is that no matter where you are in the world, you know, coronavirus is, is affecting us all. So if you happen to be a person who has had a new stoma formed or if you happen to be a person who is admitted to hospital with a, an existing stoma that you require assistance from a stoma nurse with, you may or may not encounter a situation where the nurse professional might have to communicate with you via a different means other than face-to-face. So perhaps via telehealth or perhaps via video call or some means of communication that doesn't involve them standing there with you at the time. And speaking of telehealth, this extends beyond admissions to hospital. For a lot of people living in the community who are in uh, self-isolation, so managing from home and things like that, stoma problems or stoma issues still do arise. And so for those of you who are living at home with a stoma and you are noticing that you've got complications or problems or you need to seek help from uh, a stoma nurse, certainly check up and see whether your local stoma nurse or the stoma nurse that you are in touch with has the ability to give you advice via telehealth or some means of communication because quite often we're we're very able to adapt whether it's just a telephone consultation where you don't need to be face to face or whether it's a situation where you may need to send uh, photos or something like that to your stoma nurse for evaluation or assessment if you seem to be having a problem Technology is uh, rapidly evolving, just as everything is. So if you're a person who is, I suppose, technologically apt and able to get in touch with a stomal therapy nurse, either via telehealth or via video call or online via Zoom or whatever platform you use, that is certainly a means of connection with your stoma nurse. And that's something that may or may not be available to you, depending on where you are living at the moment or where you may be self-isolating from. So look that up if you're ever interested. If if you are isolating at the moment and you are concerned about going into a healthcare facility or you would prefer not to have a face-to-face consultation with somebody, certainly inquire about telehealth services that are available at this particular time because I'm sure that there would be a means or a way of getting you the help that you need. Now, one of the other issues that I do want to talk about is for people across the world who perhaps either have been diagnosed as being positive for coronavirus or who have been in a hospital where you have had to be tested for coronavirus, whether you might have symptoms related to the virus and you need to get tested, you will be put into isolation precautions. These are precautions that nursing staff and caregivers have to follow. It's part of hospital protocol to ensure that we don't cross-contaminate and infect other patients. Until you are proven either positive or negative for coronavirus, you may have to be put under isolation precautions. Now, for a person who has happens to have a stoma, whether it be a new one or a pre-existing one, that has implications for your management. Now, In a hospital setting, I'm privileged because I work in a private sector and majority of the patients that I see are entitled to a private room. 
which means you get your own bathroom, which means if you have a stoma, that makes it very easy to manage because you can use that single bathroom for your own personal use to empty your ostomy appliances and change your bags as required. Now what happens is if you have to go into isolation we actually have to restrict the amount of caregivers and the amount of time we can spend with you being physically hands-on with you and the products that surround you. Now, whilst coronavirus is is predominant because it's a respiratory illness or a virus, there is research, which I'm going to talk about later in the episode, that does suggest that the virus is present in the gastrointestinal tract or has been found to be present in the gastrointestinal tract. Now, with any virus that is transmissible through whether it be droplets or fluids or contact physically between patient and caregiver. So if you are a person who is in isolation precautions and you do happen to live with a stoma, you're going to have to follow certain precautions in terms of how you get your supplies into your room, how you manage those supplies and uh, how you look after your skin and your, your stoma health, I suppose, in the midst of people and nurses and caregivers coming in and out of your room trying to provide care for you during this time. And one of the most major concepts that I'm referring to is the concept of hand hygiene and stoma hygiene. Now, I guarantee you people who live with a stoma have very good hygiene practices because you obviously have to come into closer physical contact with your output, as do most people who don't live with a stoma. You're touching your bags, particularly those of you who use a drainable bag. So perhaps for a urostomy or an ileostomy, you are actually coming into contact with fecal or urinary contents several times a day and so the hand hygiene that you practice is much the same as anybody when we go to the bathroom or the toilet you would wash your hands after any procedure now what can happen is for those of you who do live with a stoma you may be very aware that sometimes in the process of emptying your bags if perhaps your technique is a little off or if you happen to have a little bit of an accident you can contaminate the outside of your ostomy pouch with fecal or urinary contents and they can spread to other areas or the surrounding environment Now, if you aren't able to clean that up properly and you do contaminate your ostomy pouch, you have the potential to transfer the contents of that onto other surfaces if you go and touch that bag again, even after you've practiced hand hygiene and washed your hands. So even after you've emptied your ostomy appliance, if you're an independent person and you've emptied your pouch into the in, in the bathroom and you've washed your hands thoroughly afterwards, if there is any remnants of fecal matter or urinary material on your ostomy pouch, you have the potential to contaminate yourself again if you go and touch that pouch again. If you are managing yourself in hospital or if you require somebody to assist you in managing your ostomy appliance, please do uh, uphold the principles of very strict hand hygiene because that is one of the methods of contamination onto other people or other surfaces and always look after your ostomy appliances. If you do find that you are contaminating your bags when you've emptied them or you're not able to clean them effectively, perhaps consider talking to a stoma nurse about changing your appliance more frequently or looking at techniques to avoid contaminating your pouches further, which may increase the risk of cross-contamination. 
in terms of waste disposal of your ostomy appliances. Always make sure that you are securely disposing of your ostomy appliances, that you're not just pulling them off and throwing them in in, um, an open rubbish bin. Always make sure that you are bagging your supplies before disposing of them. That's going to prevent any cross-contamination to other surfaces as well. And it will also help environmental services staff within a hospital to dispose of your medical supplies and medical waste without running the risk of becoming contaminated as well. Now, on the opposite end of the scale, you might be a person who, in in whatever country that you're living in, who has a particular routine of changing your ostomy appliance on a particular day or at a particular frequency. Now, if you happen to find yourself at home or in hospital where you're in a situation where you may not want to be changing your pouches frequently through concerns about contaminating or infecting other people or other surfaces with coronavirus, whether you have it or not, you can consider looking at prolonging the longevity of the pouch that you're wearing as well which means reducing the amount of changes that you do in a week to try and prevent exposure of your stoma I suppose or the contents of your stoma so that other people may not have to touch it for you. This also has an impact which I've noticed here in Australia where a lot of people who are receiving home care from district nurses perhaps um, or community nursing where they come to your house perhaps a few times a week to assist you with your stoma care due to the constraints that coronavirus has had and the impact that it's had on the amount of employees available and the amount of services available to go and see people who are in isolation, some people are missing out on receiving the appropriate care that they actually need. And some people in some countries or some areas or some regions, even here in Australia, are having to forego those community nursing services, either temporarily or permanently, and are having to manage their stomas for longer in between visits. So one of the things that you can consider if that if you are in that situation and you do require assistance is that if you want to extend the longevity of your pouch in between changes, you may want to consider talking to a stomal therapy nurse about the relevant products and accessories that are available that might help to prolong how long you wear your pouch for. And these are things like ostomy seals or stoma rings or or donut rings or whatever you want to call them that can be put around the stoma before you apply your pouching system if you don't use one already that can increase moisture absorption and protect the skin around your stoma from leaks or skin irritation for slightly longer which means you may be able to wear your pouch for maybe an extra day or so before you are seen by a community nurse or you may want to consider something like perhaps some border extenders which can seal the edges of your pouch so that they don't lift as frequently and you may get a slightly longer wear time out of your appliance if you choose to temporarily use those border extenders. All of these accessories are available to help prolong the longevity of your ostomy appliance and protect your skin at the same time from developing irritation or complications. So if that's a concern for you or if that's a situation that you are finding yourself in, by all means, get in touch with a stomal therapy nurse who might be able to suggest um, some of these products that you can try to increase the wear time of your ostomy appliance. 
All right, so that pretty much covers the stuff uh, to do with people going into hospital or people trying to manage their stomas in or out of hospital uh, in the absence of face-to-face nursing care. One of the next topics that I want to cover is the issue at the moment with people obtaining their supplies. Now, this is, of course, going to be different country to country because we all obtain our supplies differently. Here in Australia, as if you've heard the other Ostomy Nurse Project episodes, we have the Stoma Appliance Scheme, which is a Medicare-funded initiative, which means that through an Ostomy Association, you pay a membership fee, and once you are a paid member of that Ostomy Association, your supplies are distributed to you from that group and they then subsidize that through Medicare. So that's not the same for every country, but I wanted to talk about the impact that isolation and and the closing of um, many services has had on people who are living with a stoma. For us here in Australia in particular, if you are a person who resides close to your local ostomy association, a common practice is to go into the association to collect your monthly supplies. Now, because of coronavirus and because of the impact that isolation has had on everybody, a lot of those associations have closed their doors to the public. Volunteers have still been able to go in and work from those associations because technically they are considered an essential service. They are the only means of providing those medical supplies, so they have to stay open. But they can certainly restrict the amount of people going in and out of their business. What does that mean for us here in Australia? It means that a lot of people who originally would walk into the association to collect their orders now have to have them posted. And I think it's a worldwide phenomenon at the moment that postal services are extremely busy and extremely under-resourced because of the amount of supplies that now have to be posted to people in isolation as opposed to people being able to physically go and pick them up. So that's a huge issue at the moment for ostomy associations because they've had to go from servicing a certain amount or a certain percentage of people in the public by handing over their supplies to being fully remote and and posting a patient's supplies to their house. And this has caused significant delays in people from getting their supplies because once an ostomy association posts an order, it's then really out of their hands and it's up to the postal service to then forward those products onto the patient. And if the postal service is under the pump and they are under-resourced, they're not going to be able to get you your supplies in such an efficient time that you perhaps were receiving them previously. Now, having said that, I also want to point out that we have an extremely high regard for our ostomy associations here in Australia. As I mentioned, a lot of these associations are run by volunteers who dedicate their time and who are leaving their homes amidst this global pandemic to go and work in these associations free of charge to provide you with the ostomy supplies that you need here in Australia. So I want to, again, give a personal thank you to everybody who works out of an ostomy association to help out patients and provide them with the ostomy supplies that they need you guys are doing a great job and and i'm forever grateful for the efficiency and the assistance and the communication that you have all provided us as stomal therapy nurses in helping us get these patients through this difficult time in terms of ordering their supplies 
Now, this delay for people who are living with a stoma and who need supplies has caused an awful lot of stress and a lot of problems, and it's left people without supplies in a lot of situations. As a stomal therapy nurse, I've been getting regular phone calls or correspondence from people saying that they've come to the end of the month and they haven't received their next month's order, or they have submitted an order and it's gone out in the post, but due to delays, they simply haven't received their supplies yet. So they need something to tie them through. If you are a person who lives with a stoma and this is a concern for you, do make sure that you get in touch with either your ostomy association to track the postage of your supplies or get in touch with your stomal therapy nurse who may or may not be able to provide you with a temporary supply of products until your proper order arrives. Another resource is to contact the company that provides those products to you. They may, in some situations, be able to help you if they have a correspondence service via the phone or a customer care service. You may be able to chat to the company and they may be able to give you a limited sample supply of the product that you are missing or or that you desperately need as well. So they're the three different people that I would encourage you to contact if you are having a problem with your supply. Either contact the Ostomy Association to find out how far away that supply may be, contact your stomal therapy nurse if you are desperately low on supplies because they may be able to put you in touch with someone who can give you uh, a temporary sample or they may be able to provide you a sample themselves or contact the distributing company that gives you those supplies to see if they are able to send you out an emergency limited sample to get you through until your order arrives. Do make sure that you're getting your orders in nice and early for your supplies. This takes the added stress off the volunteers that are working from these associations and allows plenty of time for them to get your supplies in order so that you get them in time without missing out before you do run out of supplies. Uh, Some associations are also encouraging people to obtain a two-monthly supply, which will reduce uh, the time frames in between having to order and get your supplies posted. If you have established products that haven't changed over the months, so if you know your routine and you're ordering the same thing every month, perhaps consider submitting a two-month supply to your ostomy association. Now, for those of you as well who are concerned about postage fees and having to pay increased fees to have your supplies sent to you instead of picking them up, A lot of people are opting to, again, as I mentioned earlier, extend the longevity of the products that they use. So you may want to consider using other products and accessories like those that I mentioned earlier with seals or border extenders or trialing perhaps a sample of something that can help extend the life of your ostomy appliance so that you can wear it a little bit longer. That will simply help to prolong the supplies that you do have if you plan on continuing to self-isolate for an extended period of time and you have concerns about posting of supplies. So that's pretty much how we're working things out here in Australia. I know in other countries it can be somewhat different and I know that um, according to my statistics we do get some listeners from other countries so thank you. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Particularly in some of the countries like the UK, there has been correspondence from certain ostomy websites. So Colostomy UK have put an update on. I know that over in the UK and some of the European countries, people obtain their stoma and medical supplies via prescriptive services. So like through a pharmacy. And in those situations, I believe 
having not been able to travel there myself, but I believe that the situation is currently under control and that most GPs are extending uh, either electronic prescriptions to ostomy patients so that they can obtain their supplies. Uh, and they're also stating that many of the British um, or UK ostomy manufacturers uh, have no issues with producing their supply at the moment. So if you're ever in the UK, uh, all the best to you guys. I hope your stoma supplies are flourishing and that you guys aren't having too much trouble getting your prescriptions filled. Uh, it's all a very difficult time for us all. So I hope you guys are pushing through just as we are. And the same with everybody in America. As I mentioned earlier, you guys have had a really terrible time with your confirmed cases and related deaths from coronavirus. So I wanted to reach out to you guys as well in the ostomy community. From what I can find online, the United Ostomy Associations of America have put out correspondence in conjunction with the CDC to explain that many of the manufacturers have not ceased their supplies, so they are readily available for uh, patients and, and people with a stoma to obtain. Depending on how you obtain your supplies in the US, I wish you all the very best in, in trying to get appropriate supplies to you. For people who are in lockdown or in isolation, I hope you can reach out to those community members who are maybe able to obtain them for you. And I hope that you are getting the support that you guys need as well during this difficult time. And for people who are listening from other countries as well, however you obtain your supplies, we understand the difficulties and we want to rally around people at the moment and make sure that you are getting the right supplies that you need because it's not like people who live with a stoma can go without an ostomy appliance. They are considered essential. So rest assured, the manufacturing companies are doing everything that they can to manufacture and produce enough supplies to go around to people. It's just the delays to do with isolation and postage, I believe, that are the trends that I tend to be seeing online across the world for people who are trying to get their bags and their, their appliances sorted. Okay, time for some semi-frequently asked questions. These might be questions that you might have been thinking about as a person who lives with a stoma or if you are a person who is involved with stomas in some way, shape or form. You might be a healthcare worker who is caring for people who live with a stoma. And in the midst of all of this COVID stuff, we want some information about some of the commonly asked questions or concerns that you might have um, regarding coronavirus and how that impacts you as a person who has a stoma or looks after someone with a stoma. And you've got to remember that in the big perspective of things, coronavirus is still in its very, very early stages of research. So the answers that are available in the research and the literature that's being produced online is very, very early evidence. We won't have any concrete evidence of any greater impact that the coronavirus has had, especially on people with gastrointestinal symptoms or, or living with a stoma for many, many years to come yet. We, we still don't even have a vaccine for this virus yet. So the, the current research that's out there is very helpful and I have found it very informative. And I'm going to pass on some of that to you so that you can make your own decisions based on what you want to do in terms of managing your, your life with a stoma. But to help reassure you of some of the questions that you might be asking about living with a stoma in amidst the global pandemic, it might help you make some better informed decisions. But these are all very early decisions, remember. So we can only go by what research comes out 
at the time. And all of this research has only come out this year, so we're still in its infancy. Bear that in mind. Question one, can I contract coronavirus from touching somebody's stoma or their output? I think one of the most common themes that's come out of all this corona stuff is the fact that it is predominantly a respiratory virus, so an acute respiratory symptomatic virus that affects people's breathing, um, and that is largely the cause of the uh, mortality of people who, who end up developing this, this virus. Now, just because it's predominantly a respiratory virus, it is still a virus. And there are some studies that have come out this year that have shown that coronavirus tests or swabs, I suppose, have been present in the gastrointestinal tract of people who have contracted the disease. A very recent June article was published in Gut magazine uh, from China. It was a study of the gastrointestinal symptoms of people who were diagnosed with with COVID. And it showed that the symptoms of those people who tested positive for COVID, some had gastrointestinal symptoms. So these are things like diarrhea, nausea, and vomiting. But the the overall purpose of doing that study was to determine that the, the virus itself was present in the feces and the gastrointestinal tissues of those people. And their test proved that there was a, a percentage of people, although a small percentage, there was a small percentage of people who did test positive for coronavirus in their fecal matter and in their gastrointestinal tissues. So that's like the lining of the intestines from biopsies and, and swabs that were taken from these people. There was also an earlier study this year in May, which was an article review looking at the gastrointestinal features of COVID-19 and the possibility of fecal transmission from a patient to another if you become contaminated and how that actually cross-contaminates. And they actually showed the manifestations of COVID-19 was present in the fecal transmission of patients so they would instead of doing the standard test or in addition to doing the standard test which for most people is a is a nasopharyngeal swab um, which is a little swab into the nose to test for COVID-19 they were also doing tests on the fecal output of these people and these fecal output tests were also showing positive for coronavirus. Now the results from both of these studies actually suggest that gastrointestinal symptoms are common in patients who, who test positive for COVID-19 and they have an increased prevalence in the later stage uh, of the disease. So perhaps people who are suffering more severe symptoms of coronavirus were the ones that were demonstrating these gastrointestinal symptoms. They were finding also that COVID enters the gastrointestinal skin cells, so the lining of the intestines. Um, And so they're suggesting that the fecal output of positive COVID patients is potentially infectious to those who come into contact with it. So this is where I was just saying earlier in the podcast, if you have concerns that you may be infectious to other people, do take extra precautions with managing your ostomy supplies because there are some research articles that are suggesting that it is transmissible through fecal output. 
Um, more research is obviously required, but that is a concern. And so as long as you're practicing very strict hand hygiene, anytime you've, you're touching your ostomy appliance, whether you're draining it or emptying it or not, do practice hand hygiene. So that's the use of alcohol gel or washing your hands thoroughly to prevent cross-contamination and the potential of infecting other people with coronavirus. Okay, question two, will I still be able to have my routine procedures during the global pandemic? Now, when we talk about routine procedures, we could be talking about multiple different things. So for some people, that might mean uh, routine flexible sigmoidoscopies or, or I guess colonoscopies for people who live with a stoma. You may have routine scopes into the stoma to look for the presence of any active disease um, or for diagnostic procedures. Uh, For other people, it might be looking at concept of reversal. So if you've had a stoma formed recently and then the COVID pandemic has happened and you were told that you were originally going to have your stoma for a minimum of three months and now that everything is on lockdown, you still want to know whether your reversal will go ahead. That's a very predominant concern that a lot of people have at this present time. And I want to address both of those concepts because we look at it from two different ways. In first of all, let's look at the concept of uh, scoping or endoscopy. Because of the research that's come out that states that coronavirus has been found to be present in the gastrointestinal tract, it does have implications for people who are undergoing these procedures and it does put the people doing these procedures at increased risk. Now, one of the things, one of the first procedures that was shut down in the private sector was non-essential procedures. So that was things like uh, colonoscopies, endoscopies, gastroscopies. They were not considered emergency procedures. And so as a result of that, to try and conserve productivity of the hospitals at the time to make way for managing potential corona patients, these services were essentially shut down in a lot of private hospitals. I can't speak for the public hospitals because I don't work in one. However, for a lot of people, that means that their diagnostic procedures and their scopes were put on hold because of this virus. The implications for that mean that a lot of people who were looking to be diagnosed for symptoms of either cancer or inflammatory bowel disease have had to be delayed, as well as people who are having these scopes done to check the healing ability Uh, if they are currently living with a stoma, to determine whether they can be booked in to have their reversal done or not has been an issue for a lot of people. There's also an issue with determining whether reversal has been determined as a necessary procedure at this particular time. So you may find that some people's reversal surgery has been delayed or postponed because of the risk of having to come into hospital and have a scope or because of the risk of having to come into a hospital or a healthcare facility where there is increased risk of contracting coronavirus itself. So that's just something to be aware of and that that I encourage people to bear with us on in the midst of this global pandemic is that some procedures have had to be postponed, not cancelled altogether, but just simply postponed for the foreseeable future until we can get on top of this situation. 
which I can tell you as of now is currently improving. Here in Australia, our situation has changed because of the low numbers of coronavirus cases that we are getting. We are able to start making accommodations and starting to relax the restrictions that have been put in place. And so uh, particularly in the private sector, a lot of uh, surgeries and procedures have been increased in capacity. At the height of the coronavirus pandemic, they got reduced to uh, surgeons only being able to do approximately 25% of their usual cases. And they were having to become what we call category one and two cases, which were only the most urgent of cases or emergency cases. That has since improved uh, with the low level of coronavirus cases that we've had, particularly here in Victoria. And as that continues to improve, the private sector has started to increase the procedures that people are undergoing again. So we're starting to see a reintroduction of colonoscopies, um, endoscopies for diagnostic purposes and things like that. So if you're a person who has had a stoma formed and you're waiting for your reversal, or if you are a person who has been faced with the potential for stoma surgery, but it has been postponed for one reason or another, rest assured that that will come back into effect. It's not a permanent cancellation. It's just something that we've had to modify during this pandemic until we can get on top of things and reduce the risk of infection. And then we can start taking on those cases again. All right, third and final question before we finish up today. Should I be ordering increased supplies or getting authorization to get more supplies so that I don't have to leave the house, basically? This is a question uh, that's been asked several times, and it's an issue that has been brought up with some of the Australian ostomy associations who provide stoma supplies. We've had a few phone calls from people who want increased authorization certificates for additional supplies, which is an authority that comes from a stomal therapy nurse to allow patients to get more than the allocated quantity that is subsidized by Medicare. The answer to that is no. Uh, that's the short answer, it's very unlikely that you should need to stockpile your ostomy supplies. There hasn't been too many issues with getting supplies manufactured. All of the manufacturers that distribute supplies have had no issues with production. So there's no issue with a lack of supply. Uh, And we discourage people from stockpiling their supplies because if you get yourself into a situation where something changes with your stoma or you do require a different product for whatever reason, you would then have to contact your stoma nurse for an additional supply authority to get the different product that you need. So currently, even though we are encouraging people to continue self-isolation, we do not endorse or encourage the stockpiling of ostomy supplies. Only order what you need to or what you would routinely order. Don't stockpile because if anything changes, you'll end up with an excess of supplies that you can't do anything with and you'll find it a lot more difficult to obtain the supplies that you do need. It will also be putting additional stress on the ostomy associations and the relevant volunteers and employees that work very hard to distribute your supplies for you. So that's the the general answer for that one. Don't stockpile. If you do find yourself getting short on supplies, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, contact the three people who you can potentially obtain samples from. So contact your ostomy association, see if there's anything that they can give you to tide you over. Contact your stomal therapy nurse who may be able to give you a temporary sample supply if they've got any in their office. 
or contact the production companies or the manufacturing companies that make the products and they may be able to get you a temporary sample supply of those products as well but do try not to stockpile it puts added pressure on the postal system it puts added pressure on the people that do your ordering and it puts added pressure on yourselves for trying to find room to get those supplies in as well well, that's pretty much it for this episode of the Ostomy Nurse Project, everybody. I thank you for tuning in and listening to this first episode for 2020. I know it's been a long time and I again apologize for the delay in releasing episodes to you. I hope you have found it informative. If you have questions or if you'd like to leave feedback, please feel free to comment. We are available on Spotify, YouTube, Uh, Apple iTunes, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. So feel free to rate or leave a comment or a suggestion for us for future episodes. I hope to be in touch with you guys again before this next baby number two comes along. Might be able to publish a few more episodes before that happens. Otherwise, I promise I will be in contact later in the year with some more exciting episodes of the Ostominos Project coming to you from down under, right where your COVID-safe little stoma is. Take care. Bye.